What's up? This is a special edition of Marsha's Plate where we review the show Pose on FX. All right? Uh, what Diana say? Don't call the doctor. Don't call the mama. Don't call the preacher. I don't need it. Hey. Welcome back to Marsha's Plate. Make sure if you join the conversation, you hashtag Marsha's Plate and pose FX. Um, we're going to cover a lot of topics. This episode was really deep, um, heartfelt. So if you hear us talking about anything and you have something to add, make sure you hashtag us. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. We are under... M-A-R-S-H-A-S-P-L-A-T-E. That's M-A-R-S-H-A-S-P-L-A-T-E. Hashtag us. We don't care if you agree or disagree. We just want to hear your opinion. So, you know, come join the conversation. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Diamond. How are you? We are so excited to be back to this third and final season reviews on Marshall Play of Pose, the, the last installment of Ryan Murphy's groundbreaking series Pose. So, of course, y'all know I always bring y'all somebody new, somebody interesting, somebody fun, and y'all, that's it's the same thing with this season. So I want to introduce y'all to Tim. Hi, Tim. Hi, hi everybody. <laughs> so tell the audience about you, Tim. Where are you from? Tell them about you so they can know why I picked you. <laughs> hey, um, my name is Tim. Uh, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm a butch queen. I think that's why you picked me. Um, I'm opinionated. So uh, yeah, I've been gay for like 30 something years. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> One of the reasons why I picked you is because when I engage with you online and I see the content that you create in regards to like your your statuses and, you know, your responses to culture, you mm -hmm. always are on some pro-black shit. You be on some witchy yeah. ass shit. You be yeah. on some, you get what I'm saying? You be on some shit yeah. that I be on. So I was like, ooh, so let, let me find somebody who is on my vibe and you just be yeah. on it on point so i was like yo let me bring him in and i'm so glad that you said yes yes i mean i love this show you know and i'll, I'll be honest when pose first came out i was one of the people who said that they were not watching it i said i'm not watching it <laughs> and i don't even like today like i don't know if i was just being like stupid or <laughs> stubborn I, I don't know why i was like ever like that like why not watch the show? It's like one of the best shows that I've seen. And like, you know, it's it's everything that I've been crying about not having. And so why would you not watch it? I, I don't know what I was on back in. When did it, when did it premiere? 2017? Yeah. yeah basically. I, I, I don't know. That, that was a weird year. I don't know what I was on, but I'm so glad. I think sometimes... We are failed so much as Black people when it comes to content for us. Mm -hmm. And 
Yeah. In my mind, I'm always like, I know these motherfuckers gonna fuck it, fuck it up. This is a white gang. <laughs> it's gonna be whack. And then sometimes <laughs> motherfuckers just want to be contrary to be contrary. <laughs> and I think there was a little bit of that in there too. I'm not gonna hold you. I think I was just being like, okay, well, because you all are watching it, I'm not gonna watch it because. I don't know. I was being stupid. Well, I'm glad that you changed your mind so you can have, you know, this, I just, I just think this show is amazing for us. And, and not that it's perfect, not that it doesn't have critiques, but any great things to me have critiques and what can make it better. I think this was a, a beautiful attempt to share a little bit of insight in our world and yeah. also the start of creating content that is for us. And yeah. yes, it can go on to the next level. I don't want to see <laughs> another pose-like show, but I do want to see amazing storytelling that revolve around queer people's lives. Yeah, right. And, and, and you know, and shows like all of it, you know, not just the funny things that we are known to do, the- The, 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 the culture that people steal. Shit. Yeah, right. You know, like we're real life people, we go through shit, we have high times, low times, all that. Show all of it. I really, I really like that. So, and I want more of that, you know, where we're centered, you know, not just characters that they kind of drop in for diversity's sake. So, right. Hum yeah, human, yeah. Um, complicated, you know, hell. just that vibe. As hell, <laughs> complicated as hell, yes. I want all of that, all of it, more. So this season starts off from the beginning, it's already, I was like, oh, hell no. They already, the police come in, they are raiding the New York City Kinky Club Hellfire. That club that Electra works at with her dominatrix. You know, it's like a sex worker club, baby. And so they are literally coming in, raiding it. They're saying little smart shit like y'all are in here spreading this disease. Y'all are being very, very extra. So the very first episode, they're being extra as hell. Electra meets up with Blanca at the ballroom, at the ball, and that's what happens. She's, they're walking through the ball. Yeah. So once they get, um, wait, let me re restart that statement. What what ends up happening is because Hellfire gets raided, okay. Electra goes and meets Blanca at the ball, like, bitch, what is about to happen? They fucking with my coins. And we, oh. and for me, being an S-escort, an ex-escort, I I know this feeling because when they start fucking with your money mm -hmm. and this is your livelihood, it shakes up your world. You like, bitch, you get scared, you get worried. I remember when they start shutting down Craigslist and flagging people and right. all this kind of shit. It was messing up my motherfucking coins. And I was like, mm -hmm. look, this is my livelihood. And I'm and this isn't y'all didn't give me any kind of warning. I really didn't know what was going to happen or how mm -hmm. this was going to shake up my stability. So that's what Electra was kind of like, yo, I don't know what's going to happen. But Blanca was being Blanca saying, bitch, you're going to make this work like you always do. <laughs> and one of the statements Blanca's made is shutting them down ain't going to stop people from having sex and or keep them safe. <laughs> true, see, true, see. 
So they run into Lamar. Now we know Lamar is one of um, Electra's old children, mm-hmm. one of the dancers, the Vulgars. And since season two, the time yeah. that has went past, because this is a new era, this is like 94, yeah. 95. Since the time that we've seen them in season two, he has found a new house, the House of Khan, which has gained a reputation for being particularly unruly. Um, and then that a little small argument ensues between them, and it's in around giving out a prize for the categories. And that has been a theme throughout these first two episodes because right. it changes the dynamic of the ball scene when they start adding money to the situation. Because when you add money and where people can win, they start doing stunts and shows. It start being focused on one category more than the other. And other right. categories get left on the wayside where people are not putting the energy that they did. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, I thought, you know, so this is where my ignorance kind of kicks in because I, I didn't know that cash prizes were like not a thing I, because as far as I've known, they've always been there. So to see how, you know, the people who were there prior to their being, you know, like I, mean, I know they always had the trophies, but to see how they were reacting to this new idea of, oh, we provide cash, you know, there's the winner gets receives cash um, was really interesting for me because I just thought that it was always like that. I thought maybe the show was leaving it out or changing it for, you know, Hollywood's sake. Um, I didn't know that it truly was not a thing. I thought the girls were always walking away with money. So, no, they was walking away with their <laughs> their pride, their dignity, and their little trophy. In their lecture space. Right. Yeah, because she only does big trophies. Right. So, yeah, that, that was, you know, that was interesting to me um, because it just showed me, like, oh, there's, there's, there's a whole lot that you do not know about this life. And it, um, change, it changes the integrity of... yeah the show a lot because then you bring in capitalism then you bring in oh and nothing nothing good comes from that nothing so it gets a particularly more cutthroat because now yeah. we're talking about money and survival and particularly later on in the episode or later later on because this particular um fin- um not finale um this particular premiere we got two episodes at once Whereas, right. you know, right. other seasons we we're and we're going to talk about the two episodes here and other seasons, we only got the first one. And so in particular, in these these seasons, we see how important those cash prizes can be and how important they what they're going for when it comes to survival, when it comes to paying somebody's rent, somebody's care, somebody, whatever that yeah. cash can be important based on who what they need the money for. Yeah. Yeah, it, it changes the whole dynamic and the cutthroatness absolutely. of the community. It brings a whole other energy to the ball. You absolutely. Know, like, so after after they talk at the ball, Blanca and Lamar gets into like a little argument, and because he's like trying to establish himself as a house father he kind of 
challenges Blanca to bring Evangelista back because apparently Evangelista, because they're out here living their lives, doing, yeah. you know, modeling, doing whatever, dancing tours and da-da-da-da, they haven't re really been walking as a house in the scene. So they kind of have died down, haven't really been doing anything. And so Lamar challenged them and Blanca was like, child, no, and declined the challenge. Right, right. The next scene is when we are finally introduced to Blanca and her new man. <laughs> yes, so tell us about yes. that scene. So, okay, we, um, you know, you, you we see Blanca in, in the bed, waking up, looking very pleased. Um, there is a gentleman laying next to her and the camera pans up and we see it is none other than Jeremy Pope. Yummy. <laughs> Yummy. <laughs> Woo, makes my heart melt. But um, so we with see them sexy ass lips. Oh Ooh. my God. I mean, how how you know he's he young. Let me stop. No, but fine. And so, you know, Blanca, she's you know getting her things together to go and leave. He's trying to get her to stay for breakfast, and she's like, oh no. I got to, you know, doing her Blanca thing. I got, I got a child at home. I got to get back to home. You know, I only got one kid left. We see the, the bits of that relationship. You know, last season at the, the beach episode, Blanca met a little, a, a, little, a little young man. And I thought they were going to do more with that, but didn't happen. And so I was happy, you know, I was just really happy to see her you know, with somebody, you know, because, and I think prior to that, we had only seen Blanca um, have one other slight interest and it was the the, the, the chaser, you know, right? Um, who had been running around with all the girls. And, you know, I was just so happy to um, get to see her in what appears to be a loving relationship or at least the one that has the potential to become that. Um, that's something that has been neglected, you know, and so for me, or we've only seen it in the context of Angel, who yeah. is yes, yes, her mm -hmm. and Electra are uh, Angel and Electra are the um are the consummate beauties of the of right. the show, and so of course they're going to be the ones that could grab but, the man, da 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 da. Blanca, not that she's not beautiful, but she hasn't been put. She her hasn't character been, is made that way. Yeah, right. Her character was that's, made. That's the idea that they pushed forth is that she is the lesser attractive girl in the or squad. more clocky. Da, da, da. Okay. I, can we say that? Okay. I'll, yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yes, that. So, um, yeah, th th it, it was really nice to see her you know get her time you know and yeah i i just I, I loved it i loved everything about it i was in my room jumping just just happy i mean one because it's um it's jeremy pope uh but two this is what i like me personally i had been wanting to see i want to see you know the characters get i mean because we get we've seen it with we've seen it with the butch queens you know um it was Ricky and Damon. It was Ricky and Pray Tell. It was, you know, they, like they they've got their 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 
their time, you know, where we got to kind of dive into those relationships, but we, it hasn't really happened for, um, hasn't happened specifically for Blanca. And so I was just really happy to see that. And then this being the final season, mm -hmm. I, I find it what in these two episodes, I find it beautiful that they are showing an example to people who are watching of how you navigate this relationship, how mm -hmm. you navigate it, um, you know, how it can look quite normal. It can look yeah. quite, she is not waking up and she's a boy next to you. She is still a girl when she lays down and yeah. when she wakes up. And this right. is normally how trans relationships really look. And other people might, somebody who may not be in our community may, they really mirror cis heteronormativity. Um, usually, not all the time, but okay. they really mirror cis heteronormativity a lot, a lot of times. Mm -hmm. We try to get out of that. We want you to be free to, navigate relationships however you want but this is stereotypically you you have somebody that's a little bit more masculine and somebody that's a that is a trans woman and you know it it it, not, it looks quite normal and they're just doing yeah. regular stuff waking up eating breakfast right he's trying to get her to eat something before she goes out the door you know right she has her rebuttal and you know, it, it's very, it's very normal. It's very what you saw your mom and dad do. It's very what you might do. And so it was, you know, it's not um, this, you know, like secretive or salacious thing. It's just, it's real everyday life. And yeah, that that's, you know, more of that. You know, more of that, definitely. More of that. So in that, when they're done talking about the general stuff that they're talking about. Yeah. Blanca gets a call because she's getting ready to go to work. Right. But the news reveals that this season runs in this season in Nepal runs in tandem with what was going on <laughs> with OJ Simpson. Yeah. So as as everybody explained, OJ's ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, was had been found murdered. Blanca switches the conversation um, almost about how, um, you know, she feeling like an empty nester with no kids in her house. Um, and that's what it is. So that's kind of amazing because now we're getting the idea of when what's going on um, politically yeah. in the in yeah. the in the in the country. Right. Right. Then the scene goes to Poppy, who then came up. He is now almost like an executive. Like mm -hmm. the way it's being played out is like the plan that he had to really be like a manager and a talent mm -hmm. scout and really get the people the gigs, it's really working out for him. Yeah. And he is talking to a girl, seeming like business, and Angel walks in on the conversation. And you know, like, typical girlfriend stuff she gets like hmm what's going on here there might be some you know envy yeah. or jealousy and we also re it also reveals that she's she's getting frustrated that she's not getting as much work as she is accustomed to getting and it right. might be because he's focusing on other things and not focusing on her and poppy is kind of reassuring and saying baby it's not really that it's just everything is slow for everybody and i can't control what happens once you get in the door like i can set you up the right, thing but right. i if they don't want you i can't really control that so right, i'm, I'm right. good to see that their relationships is flourishing 
I, I kind of thought that we would come into this season and maybe like there was a separation between them. I don't know why that thought was in my head, but it was. Um, but it was good to see that, yeah, they're still going strong. Um, Angel's insecurity was kind of cute. Um, I, don't, I don't know why. I just like, I, it, it, it was, it, 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 Angel's insecurity was really cute. Um, I guess it just, it showed another side to her. I think we've seen her mostly be confident, you know, um, in, you know, who she is. Um, and, you know, so to see, like, it, what I kind of, what I kind of noticed from the scene, you know, I came in when they were, they were actually um, at the ball, um, is that, the newer and younger girl, like the girls that we know are kind of now, they're getting older. And so you have these young blood com coming up. And I think some of that is in their minds that, you know, I'm getting older, I might not be looking how I used to look. You know, these these new young girls are, they come out the gate with the boobs and the butts and the, and, you know, the, the hair and everything, you know. Um, what what's going on? You know, do you, you still see me? You know, you still see it for me. Um, I you know, so I, I thought that was really you know, it, uh, it was really cute because Poppy just like very calmly like shut all of that down, you know. And he ha he has a knack for doing that. He has a knack <laughs> for does. particularly yeah. with Angel and 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 if you you pay attention with um, Blanca too. Yeah, like and yeah. because he has a mother-son relationship with her and he yeah. has a romantic relationship with yeah. even though Poppy is seen as not actually not always the brightest candle in the in the box, <laughs> but he is all he he has always been positioned as the heart and the grounding and mm -hmm. almost like the pure um person yeah, in the yeah. situation. And so yeah. I love how he he has a ability to kind of reassure her and Blanca in certain specific situations. Yeah. Right. Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So, not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts, I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because I put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch I am community is fuck <laughs> so thank you I really really appreciate you and if you have not become a patron why have you not you can donate as low as a dollar a month it doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please, do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. So going on to the next scene, Pray Tell is once again drunkenly arriving to a funeral with one of his friends. 
Praetel is lamenting about the fact that he long he doesn't feel like there's a cure on the horizon for HIV and that people are going to keep dying. Um, and he actually just going through the process of this funeral and the age, and he's there with the council, the older um, Butch Queen council at this funeral. And, you know, he doesn't feel, I don't think he has bathed. He just looked a mess and going through this process and seeing that this is actually a young person who just watched, who just walked um, Sex Siren and he has died. It just gets him overwhelmed and he just says he can't take it anymore. And he basically announces that he is going to retire from ball, from emceeing the ballroom. And and everybody else really can't just stomach that happening. And um, and I, you know, I get the frustration because this is a time when you know, medications were still on the risings and it wasn't necessarily a cure, but the medications right after this time, around 95, 96, is when it started to be like, oh, these medications are actually working. And but this is right before that kind of right. change in medical culture. And so after going through it, because right. we got to look at the timeline, we had this peak epidemic late 80s, and here we are mid-90s. Mm -hmm. And so this is quintessentially five years, five, six years of it happening and people dying, people being scared, people being diagnosed and so on and so on and so on. And so it's it, it's kind of like us with trans murders. <laughs> it's like it gets to a point where it's kind of numb and you get tired. Like I recently did a video about, you know, all the people getting killed. My friend, um, Jahira just got um, murdered and it gets to a point where you are just tired. I, I totally understand his sentiment of being just overwhelmed and then getting to the point where I'm at my wits end. I'm just tired of this. It doesn't bring me the joy that it used to. Everybody is trying to once again bring these cash prizes. It's losing its creativity, is losing its um. It's, it's whatever joy that it was. And so everybody else was like, no, you right. can't retire. You know, I felt for Pray Tell um, in that scene, you know, I think much like, much like what's going on now, right? You know, we all thought that this whole pandemic was going to be done in a couple of weeks. You know, like if you go back to March of 2020, Okay, it's like, it's here, wash your hands. <laughs> then it was, hey, stay in the house for two weeks and we're good. Y'all can just lock down for 14 days, we're good. And then it was three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, eight weeks, nine weeks, you know, and we're still here. And things just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And I can only imagine what it was like for them back then. You know, um, I don't really want to compare like what was, which one was worse. I, I, I have an idea in my mind, um, but yeah, like it, it just, it weighs on you. It truly weighs on you. Um, and, and it shakes and it shakes the community I, because with the people yeah, in our community, sex is a part of it. 
Yeah, right. And so you have this beautiful thing that is now kind of tainted by this illness um, that has the potential to, I mean, take you out like that, you know, or kind of drag it out, you know, as we see later, you know, with some of the other characters. Um, I can't imagine what it was like, you know, when I talked to people who were around back then, I was a baby, you know, um, who were living through that, you know, a friend was here today and gone tomorrow, you know, after so many times of going to that funeral parlor, you know, it, it's, you're just left with nothing, you know, and so, yeah, I, I, I totally felt for him, you know, and then with everything, you know, and with all that, life is still going on. Things are still changing. And he is seeing the, the, the community that he knows and loves start looking different. And it's starting to begin to look unfamiliar to him. And that has to be frustrating. You know, um, some of us are really good about kind of moving along with, you know, with how things change. And not all of us are as skilled at that with, you know, you know, handling how things are changing and evolving and moving and, you know, becoming, you know, renewed or unfamiliar to us. And I think Pray Tell is just feeling all of that on him at once. And on top of I am know, diagnosed with this disease that can kill me. I, I am diagnosed right, right. And so I think it was just like easy for him to say, you know, I'm gonna check out. I'm gonna check out here, you know, for my peace, for my sanity. And you know, I ain't mad at him about it, you mm -hmm. know. Um you know, life can be hard. And you know, we don't want to see, you know, I, I think his decision to step away was truly, you know, out of self-preservation. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, um, you know, what I want to say is it's really, you know, for me, that scene, um, it really kind of did something to me. I'm not going to lie. You know, I think because of where we are today in 2021, um, you know, I, I can't, I don't, I haven't lost any, I have tons of people in my life who are diagnosed. I've not lost one person to complications with HIV, you know? And so it's not even something that I think about. It's not even something that I think about, you know, um, people, being here and then I go to call you tomorrow and you don't answer your phone. You know, um, so we forget, you know, how far we've come, you know. And we how, literally have come to a place where you know, if you are taking your medications, you are undetectable and you cannot right. even pass this disease. Like we are at a place where it can, it can't, right. if you are taking care of yourself, it can't be transmitted. That is totally different than where PR for people were and doing. It's not working on you. Right. You know, and not only are you not transmitting it, it's not breaking you down. You know, it's not turning your body against you.
And yeah, so it it just it 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 really kind of was like was a you know kind of blew me back a little bit to um really see that because it's not something that I think about. I I, I totally got his frustration. So for me, well. this when I was coming out, this actually this era of this season, not before, but the era of this season is when I came out. So I was 12, okay. 13 in 94, 95, um, 13, 14. This is around that 12, 13, 14 area, like early, early teens. And I can tell you that it was in your face. Like if I cannot describe, you couldn't go to an event you couldn't go to a party you couldn't go to anything that had to do with queer people that it wasn't hiv signs it wasn't condoms it wasn't it was somebody threatening or using fear to stop you from having sex or stop Mm -hmm. you from it was it was literally the fear <clears throat> and and it, it wasn't just yeah. for in the community; it was outside of the community. As soon as somebody, as soon as you have a conversation with somebody about being queer or being gay, honey, they are bringing that up. Well, you be careful out here, even if that they, yeah. they were affirming. It was always that, mm. always, and so it was. Mm-hmm. It was quite tiring, and me being a teenager, thirteen years old, not having any. I, at this, I didn't have sex until I was 16, but being in the scene, sneaking in the gay club, there was a, a gay club in my city called Betty Boops, and mm-hmm. I would sneak in. Like, there would be one person at the door that I knew if I went in, they weren't going to let me in. But if another person, it was a trans woman, she was drunk, honey, she'll let you in, just pay your rate and come on in. So I got to wait till she get to the door. I'm sneaking. I'm dressing up, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I didn't go through a a process of being a butch queen, then being a trans woman. As soon as I came out, I knew I'm the girl. And so it was, I'm going in as a girl. This is what I need to do. And so I would sneak in the club. And I remember this boy had a crush on my best friend. And when, because we were young, it almost felt like everybody was kind of warning us about the predators in the, um, in the scene and so this one older guy had a crush on my friend we were the same age we were like 13 14 now we're lying to get in this club so we're not telling people that we're 13 14 but we are but we also look like it so it's it's not it's not like right yeah we look like it so had a he older guy probably probably like in his 20s or something and he was attracted to my friend and everybody said like people start putting the bug in our ear like y'all be careful Mm -hmm. out here motherfuckers ain't out to do you good and at first it started off like that like y'all be careful out here it's no tea Mm -hmm. but y'all be careful everybody ain't about that right but then when they start seeing them getting closer and closer it started to be mm, let me put something in your ear. Let me tell you the tea. What's going on with that person? Right. Messy and I telling like the tea. Quick. Right. Because he'll get you just like he got other people. And y'all young and don't know no better. Mm-hmm. And so basically they start implying that he had a disease. And so 
before they were direct about it, they were they were kind of implying it to my friend. But then one of them came to me because yeah. I'm the friend. Well, since he's not listening, you his friend. Let me tell you the tea and secretly said that motherfucker mm-hmm. is sick and. And he ain't going to tell you that he's sick, but he is because there's people who he who he's gotten okay. infected. And then y'all young and don't know no better. Da, da, da. Now, mind you, I don't have the politics that I have now around HIV and you know, spilling yeah. somebody's status. I'm fucking 13. So in that moment, I'm fearful. I'm like, oh my God, right. trying to right. get my friend and da, 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 So I go to my friend and I was like, well, they told me that he got HIV, girl. You might not want to do that. Like you might not want to be fucking with him. Have you fucked with him yet? And my friend mm-hmm. said, no, I ain't fucking with him, but I like him and da, 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 da. And so we go through the process and Come to find out they had messed around. Now he said that they had, you know, it was with protection and da 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 da. But because you lied about it initially, are you lying about that? It just we we started to have these kind of weird conversations. And and that was my yeah. first introduction to somebody being positive. Because at that point, I didn't know anybody who had passed away. When I got older, like right. still in my teens. When I got older, there was a guy, um, there was a guy who ended up passing away. But before he passed away, I started to, this is the first time I was experiencing seeing somebody go through the physical change. Seeing somebody go through that physical change that happened in in that process back then. And they had like swollen glands. Like we had pictures of them where they had swollen glands and this was all swollen up right here. And they were skinny, but this was swollen. Yeah. Their lift nose was swollen up. And it just, and nobody wanted to talk about it because we knew what was up. But it, we weren't in a space where people yeah. were admitting it, where people were openly, like we are now. People are pr- proud and, 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 and really open and honest about it and just talking and really breaking down the stigma at this time we had not done that it was not anywhere near where it is now and so people would see it right and think it but they wouldn't say it they would say it behind his back but this is the this is the atmosphere yeah. that was going on in this era of time this was the atmosphere that i that i gave that i came out into the scene in i was saying that's really interesting because i'm thinking back to you know me being young and being introduced to HIV and this one image always sticks out in my mind. I saw it in a book and I don't, it was some book that I think they had like, it was at a church or something like that. And how they depicted HIV was like, so like the book led you to believe that if you so much as like looked at another gay person you automatically had it. And they showed this picture and it was this white boy and he had all this acne on his face. Like, you know, like just like regular pimples and things. And it had it like, it had AIDS labeled over over his photo in big red letters. And I honestly thought that's what it was, was like acne. You know, and so you saying that kind of brought back that memory um, of just 
like my first time ever, like really like, oh, th this, this is what they're talking about. This is what it looks like. Like, oh yeah, I definitely don't want that. Definitely don't want that. Um, yeah, I just I had to add that. Like that was my first introduction to HIV. Like I'd heard about it, but like my first time actually seeing it or seeing what I thought was it, it, it was a young white kid with a whole bunch of acne on his face. Like, and that's, I thought you got it from looking at people. Right. Crazy. So this is, uh, this is uh, interesting that we're talking about this because this is where Blanca being a nurse's aide, she goes to the hospital to visit Cubby, who is on the verge in the show, on the verge of dying of HIV. Um, but I would think that this would be him dying of AIDS because you don't die from and we what we know now is you don't die from HIV. He right. he shares that Lamar hasn't visited him. Now, if we know in past season, Cubby and Lamar was like the dynamic duo together. And so to hear yeah, that right. Lamar hasn't even come to see Cubby was kind of crazy. And then B Blanca tries to comfort him saying that mm -hmm. um, he's just obsessed with building his new house. He's going to show up. Um, Blanca reveals that um, she had contacted Cubby's mother, which was as a part of her job to contact the family when a person is potentially dying. Um, Cubby's mother, who told him that he would die of AIDS. This is the this is the you know irony when you know sometimes when parents get mad, they say some shit that they don't really want to happen, but they'll say some shit like you know you know you're gonna die right. from that shit. You know you gonna they get all, all these fags out here getting that mm -hmm. shit. Blah 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 blah. They always serve that kind of that not always. Some of them are supportive, but some of them. That's always, even if they don't do it in that ugly type of manner, the implication is always, even yeah, if it's yeah. tender, make sure you be out here. Are you okay. having sex? Make sure you're using a condom. Like right. they're in the, in a different way than they're, like if they're talking to their daughters or they're talking to their sons, they're not emphasizing, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. this kind of disease thing. It may be emphasizing pregnancy or don't be giving up your goods don't to that boy right. and, and chastity and, and protecting mm -hmm. the purity of the girl. But it has nothing to do with the disease. When they have a queer child, it's a particularly a queer male right. child. And not even particularly. We know they right, don't have right. disease with lesbians. <laughs> but particularly yeah. a queer male child, um, you know, they always, the implication is always HIV. So be careful. Yeah, you know, it's real subtle sometimes how they kind of flip it in there. You know, um, I remember my grandmother, you know, just, you know, or, or, you know, just I just want you to be safe, Timmy. I just want you to be safe. And I, I knew what she was talking about, you know. Um, she had no problem with, you know, who I am or, you know, but that, you know, what I might be doing might lead to me being in some trouble. So... You know, it was that was constantly kind of thrown out there like that. And so Blanca calls the mother in to come see Cubby so that she can make amends. And she and Cubby is sharing, like, I don't want her to see me like this because she said that this would happen to me. But, you know, Blanca is like, child, let your mother come and see you and and, you know, make amends to her pushing you away. And then we get to the scene where Blanca is talking to Nurse Judy 
about Cubby and the conversation soon turns to um, talking about Damon, who is her last child, who um, is leaving the nest, like leaving and leaving. Everybody else has left the house, but he's the last one. Judy encouraged her to become an actual nurse because she's now a nurse's aide. And she's like, Blanca, you can do this. And she's kind of influencing Blanca to actually go and um, try to be a nurse. So this once again, Blanca has positioned herself as kind of like the great hope of the series where she's always trying to push doing, not only is she pushing other people, but she's also pushing herself to be better than what her self dialogue is telling her and what the world is telling her that she can be. Right. When Blanca get home from work, the infamous car chase with OJ (laughs) attempting to flee the police in a white Ford Bronco. (laughs) That's what's happened. She calls all her friends over to watch what is happening, including Ricky, pray tell, um, you know, pray tell is drinking and being drunk and having other kind of bad behavior. Um, the conversation starts to explore everybody's opinion of OJ. And so you were too young. Do you weren't you young when the OJ stuff was happening? Did you? So, yeah, I, I have memory of it. I remember even seeing the chase on TV. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know <laughs> who that man was. You know, I didn't know why they were chasing him. I just knew that they were doing it. And my aunt was like, he ain't do that shit. I, you know, I don't even know. Okay, maybe you can fill me in. At the time of the car chase, did we know that his wife had been found murdered or is that something that we found out after the car chase? Before. So we knew. We knew, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Um. yeah, I really had no idea what was going on. So um, full disclosure, neither did I. I knew about. what was happening, but I didn't have the um at the at the time i i knew what was happening i knew what was happening he had killed his wife they had found her and he was running and mm-hmm. but i didn't have any cultural reference to oj because i wasn't into sports i wasn't into the things that he was associated with so who he was, I knew he was a celebrity or important important person, but he wasn't somebody that I have a cultural attachment to. And so this is just mm-hmm. some dude who has, some black dude that has killed his wife and now he's on the run. And these same right. conversations that they were having on polls is what I was hearing from the black people around me. Every single perspective that we had, we had Electra who was like, he is innocent. And of course he's gonna run, he's a black man. <laughs> yeah, Electra's reaction was like really comical to me. She's like, oh no, he's the greatest actor. She starts like listing all these movies. I didn't know he did all the movies. I've never seen an OJ film. I've never seen one. Never. <laughs> Not a one. I, I was surprised to see how many of them believed him to be guilty um, at the time of the chase. You know, 
I was under the impression that none of us, you know, at least would verbalize that we thought the man had actually killed his wife. Um, at that time, you know, um, I remember there being a great, like a, a big divide, you know, um, but from my perspective, it looked like all the black folks were on the same page and all the white folks were wherever the hell they were. So, um, yeah, it was interesting to see them sit around and like kitchen table talk and really express how they really felt about it. Um, yeah, that was that was a little bit different for me, I, but I was glad to see them explore it. Um, I was also really intrigued by how, you know, they 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 brought up you know the the elephant in the room, you know, which was kind of that this around OJ being a black man. And pray tell was like, oh, but he ain't really like us. I mean, he got this, but he ain't this, you know? And so I had never heard anybody talk about OJ like that until way later. I didn't even know about his whole, I'm not black, I'm OJ. I don't, you know, I don't think I knew about that until grown you know that he i never knew he even said anything like that yeah oj so, was like my fucking yeah, really um, lil wayne <laughs> you know how lil wayne plays the race right. car he plays all of that foolishness he is always that type of person he's always been that type of person you know fetishizing white women that's why he was with a white woman and so i mm -hmm. in my in my listening to the adult conversations at that time that was everything that they were saying. Those were type of the conversation. There was a black and white divide in regards to culture. But even within the black people, there were some people who thought that he was innocent, but still and supporting him. And then there are some people who thought that he was guilty, but didn't want this <laughs> black man to go to jail. And then there were some who thought he was guilty. Right. Should go to jail. It was it was it was a tons of divide within the community, particularly around the people that I was around, where I heard these different things and these different nuances. And so for me, listening to them now, listening to them on a show in 2021, I it just it just reaffirms that we're going through the same fucking conversations just with different characters that they Literally. were going through in all decades. Literally going through having the same conversations, the same one. Yep. So in this in this conversation, in this in this gathering, we realize that Praytel is drunk and he's being kind of extra. But we also learned that Damon is going to Alcoholics Anonymous and he kind of takes Praytel to the side and talks to him about his own issues with addiction while Praytel is um, excusing his drinking based on the terrible things that's happening in his world. Um, Damon tries to kind of tell him that sobriety is not escaping death. Um, it's really about, you know, living on your own terms. And really, if you're trying to escape death and escape the problems, you're not really living free. You're still being shackled by them because you're just, yeah. you know, putting yourself in a drunken state that you never you know, you never get out of. Angel and Lulu come in. In a previous scene, Lulu had let Angel hit a joint that was laced with some cocaine. And in this scene, 
they go to the back and they're about to hit another joint that's laced with some cocaine. And in our culture back in the day, we called them primos. Now, I don't know what everybody else called them, but in in my city, we call we or blunts laced with cocaine primos and or joints, whatever. Um, we call them primos. And so Angel at first was like, bitch, why you didn't tell me that when she first had her hit it, she was like, this is weird. And she was like, bitch, you got some coke in there. And Angel was like, bitch, why the fuck you didn't tell me that, bitch? I got fucking jobs I, that could, this could ruin, bitch. <laughs> and right. so you supposed right. to tell me that. And then, but she went ahead and went ahead, went ahead with it. Now at this event, she knows what's up. And pray tell come back there. He was like, shit, y'all going to smoke. I'm trying to smoke with y'all. Because, you know, pray tell thinking it's some regular ass, regular weed. But then Lulu was mm-hmm. like, bitch, this is some, you know, it got a little kick to it. Yeah, and Angel to was it. like, nah, bitch, it ain't going to kick. It's some coke in this. <laughs> and pray tell was like, nah, I ain't fucking with this. Like, no, I thought this was just some regular degular. What did you think about that scene? I just I I was thinking how fucked up it was because last season we saw Angel struggling with drugs. And you know, I just I just I think about all the people who, you know, we we come across who have these drug addictions and how innocent it all started, you know, for them. We just um had DMX pass, you know, and if you know his story, it was it was very similar. Someone gave him a, you know, what he thought was weed, but it was weed with a little extra. And look how that spiraled. I guess like hindsight being 2020, I can't say that I, I blame Lulu. I don't think they knew how bad it really was, what they were doing, how much of a monster that particular drug is. I'll say, I mean, not that I'm unique, but, you know, um, growing up in a, you know, a household where one or more of the people were addicted to that, it kind of hit me in the feels a little bit, you know, because I, I, I've never asked, like, how did this start? But I always wonder, maybe it was something as innocent as that somebody trying to get to like a next level in the with their high you know just doing a little bit of you know a little bit of this and then seeing it spiral you know out of control going to the the watch party the oj simpson watch party you saw how angel was like oh no like why would you do that why would you do that you know and then how quickly her body responded to that drug. And she's like, well, let me get another one. You know, and ju- it reminded me of just like that, you know, you can be sucked back in. Even if you've been clean for years, it only takes it being there. And once you know, you write back. Kind of helped had me feeling a, a kind of way. I ain't even gonna lie. You know, it kind of had me feeling the kind of way. I'm glad that you pointed out how easily a person can think it's nothing and it just turns into something big because I remember a total different show. It's a documentary called Unseen and it's the Anthony Sowell story. Anthony Sowell is a like serial killer that killed a bunch of black people, black women, and they found their dead bodies in his house. And so on like prime, it's a, um, it's a documentary. It's really, really good. So if you get a chance to watch it, watch it. It's called Unseen. And so, and it's really 
really talking about how the crack epidemic um, made women who were crackheads and dolphins um, um, invisible to even police. And so this dude was allowed yeah. to murder them without any kind of consequences and kind of free, even though some of the girls got away from him. Like they broke windows and got out of his house and went and told the police and the police didn't even believe him. Didn't even listen to him. Didn't even go. Like literally, they was in his house with dead bodies in the in the tub, and they're telling the police this story. And because they were crackheads, they like, I don't, I don't believe you, or I'm not even going to investigate this, and just let them free. And so he got to be, he got to kill like eleven people. And so a part of the story, a part of the um, documentary was these particular women who got away from him telling their stories of how they got addicted. And it was so healing for me because I have a mother who was addicted to crack for the her whole life. She literally just passed away in December from an OD. She OD'd from um, what she thought was just some regular drugs, but it had some fentanyl in it. And Honey killed my mom, and so oh, wow, what this thank you. What this documentary showed me, I could literally see my mother's reflection. And I was, I had watched this before she passed, but them sharing her their stories from back in the 80s and how like we it was party drug. We just we I'm with my friends, everybody getting high, we having fun. It's like and it was being passed around like you smoking weed. It it wasn't like you know, it didn't have the stigma that it has now because it has ravaged the community. We just was kids having fun. We didn't, I didn't know it until by the time I knew that this was a problem, I done sold everything in my house. I done, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I'll get it. Like, it's, right. it's, it's, a, it's a whole thing that I didn't know that I was getting into. I had a physical reaction to hearing their stories and hearing how it just was subtle. It wasn't like, I know I'm making this wrong decision. It's just fun. Right, right. And you see that in the reflection of that. I see that in what's happening to Lulu. I think she doesn't know that it's happening to her. Like even later on when we talk, when yeah. we talk about um, the, uh, inter the intervention, I don't think she realized, bitch, you a whole crackhead right here <laughs> in this scene. You a whole cokehead. <laughs> Literally, literally. <laughs> tweaking, literally. They come back, um, Blanca come back into the room like, what y'all back here smoking? And I'm like, bitch, you don't know what some weed smell like. <laughs> like, I know you know what weed smell like, bitch. Right, right. and, and, and uh, crack got a very distinct smell. Distinct smell. Like, so, <laughs> you know, you know. Now because we... everybody is doing this um, OJ stuff and paying attention to OJ, Blanca cuts it all off. She cuts the TV off and she was like, all right, it's time to eat. And she wants to have a little family gathering moment. And um, she's like, yo, and everybody's like, what? We want to see what happens. She was like, no, nope, we about to have a little moment. So she... You know, because she's Mother Blanca, she wants to have this sentimental moment. She was like, like, we don't do this enough and blah, 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 blah. She's trying to be that little thing. Um, and so the entire scene is 
abrupted and <laughs> you know the uh, the house of evangelista everybody who's evangelista is under one roof at the dinner table again they reminisce about good times blanca suggests um bringing back the house for the summer solstice ball and they all agree to go and slay lamar <laughs> because he's been talking right. shit, blah blah, blah. After the dinner, Blanca heads back to Christopher's apartment where she's reading um, new research on antiviral drug trials and all that kind of stuff. So now this is some hope and some new medication on the horizon. After joking about him being a nerd because Christopher, her man, is actually like a doctor. Blanca discloses that she had a hard time in school due to like being dyslexic. And, you know, Christopher was like, yo, he encourages her to pursue her dream and literally encourages her once again, adding, you know, um, adding support to what nurse Judy said, go back to nursing school, become a nurse. Right. And so in the process of that conversation, he tells her that, he wants her to meet his parents. And she had never had that happen. She had never had a situation where a dude had, they had been so serious that I want to meet your parents. And so that brings in a whole new, as a trans woman, brings in a whole new kind of insecurity. What did you think about that scene? It really kind of solidified, like, oh, like, this is this is real. Like, he's serious about her. And me being a, a- and a blonde. I just, I love that for her. I wondered how, how, like, for that time, how close that was to the reality for trans women. Was that something that was, I imagine that it was happening, but I don't know anybody who has, like, that experience. So I'm like, uh, okay, you know, this is, Y'all's relationship is real. You know, let's see how this goes. Now, in my I'm I'm from the hood, so I didn't see that shit in the hood. I didn't, I didn't, it just wasn't something that was happening in my life. I'm sure it happened somewhere else, but somewhere. where I was from, it wasn't happening. Now, maybe like not in 94, 95. I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. But year, like maybe five years from then. I do remember an incident where there was a girl who was dating this piece of trade and he was introducing her to his family. Okay. Like, I, I do remember that. I do remember, but it was five. It wasn't in the ni- early 90s. Late 90s, I saw it. But I'm pretty sure I heard other people. Yeah. But I heard about it from other people who were living stealth. They they didn't know her tea. Right. Yes, they met the parents, but they thought she was a regular cisgender girl. Okay. And so I've I've heard that experience. And then later on in like later on in that decade, like around 98, 99, I seen a girl and this guy going through the process of her meeting his family and then the neighborhood telling her tea to his family and it becoming an issue, all that kind of stuff. So I I remember, and I was young, this girl was, um, I was like maybe like um, 16, 17, 15, 16, 17, somewhere around there, around 
Yeah, probably around 17. And it's this girl named Rishi. She got murdered by another trans woman in 2001 over this dude, over this same dude. <laughs> and so, but before she got murdered, she was with the guy and the guy introduced her to his parents. And then the whole hood was talking about it. And he still wasn't stopping fucking with her. He still was uh, tipping around like, this is my wife. This is my baby. They was living together and it caused a big ass, big ass thing. It called a big thing, but it wasn't, um, it was, I can't say that it was positive and made me feel like positive because every chance he got, if they got into it, he was wearing her out and going back to his people. <laughs> then he'll go back to her. So it wasn't, uh, it was toxic as fuck, but it did happen. That's more in line with what I hear from people that I know and talk to about their experience. Um, Blanca's experience is, is a little bit different than I think a lot of the um, reality for real life people, but mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's TV, so, um, you know, I mean, I was, I was happy to see it. I knew that it was going to come with um, some drama. So I said, okay, well, I can kind of see where they're, you know, where they're going ahead, this story goes. So let's see how this plays out. Um, Let me ask uh, you this. Let yeah. me ask you this. So mm -hmm. for me, particularly around right now in our era now where we are critiquing culture, we are critiquing how um, black people are depicted in series stories that are being told by black people. Do you think, so there's, there's like a, um, and, and I think pose is an example. There's like a, a push for positivity, like a positive storyline and then there's also a push for reality. And those two don't always mix. A positive storyline and a, rea a realistic storyline ain't always gonna work. Like for example, like everybody was critiquing the show about colorism when Candy died. They killed off one of the dark skinned girls, right? But yeah. that's a great critique. I just, for me, I understood it, but if we want to look at the reality of who was more likely to die, if we talk, if we, look at, if we look at the pictures of the girls in our time right now, it is more likely that it's mm -hmm. a dark-skinned black trans woman. It's not a light-skinned right. girl that is, not, not saying that that couldn't happen at all, because we know some, but if you go look at the pictures of the trans women who have been murdered in 2020, in 2017, in 2015, in 2016, in 2018, in 2021, it is dark skinned trans women. And so, right. Candy being murdered was aligned with the actual reality. And so, yeah, idealistically, we can say, oh, why they had to kill off the the black trans one the black the dark skinned black trans woman, but you know you can be you can want them to not want to kill her off, but if you want them to be realistic, that's the truth. We owe it to the women um, who have suffered that fate to, I mean to 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 show that you know we there's 
it does no good to kind of, you know, like sugarcoat what's going on. You know, that's not, that's not bringing any better awareness to the situation. You know, um, I agree with you. I don't think the two mix. I think some people go to TV for escapism and other people go to it to see their realities reflected on screen. I'm more of the latter, you know? And so it's gonna, I, I want, I, I, I want the real shit, you know? Um, if you're gonna do it, do it right, you know, and be accurate about it. So um, when, when Candy uh, was murdered, you know, and maybe I'm speaking from a place of privilege, I'm not a dark skinned person, but I was just hurt that, you know, a character that I liked died. I wasn't really thinking about the colorism aspect, but I can see where some would have that, that viewpoint. Um, it just, it wasn't in the forefront of my mind. It was, you know, damn, this is the reality for a lot of these women. Right. You know, um, they're out there, you know, fighting to survive. And unfortunately they meet their demise in that manner. Mm -hmm. um, it, it reminded me of how unsafe it is for um, women of a trans experience to be out here in this world, you know, then and now it ain't stopped. You know, um, it's still a very real thing. Pose kind of plays with both of those, you know, they give us some fairy tale shit here and there. Blanca having the whole family come back together as a cohesive unit under her roof. And, you know, the, the love stories that are just like, you know, what movies are made of. Um, but then also, you know, and I'm sure as this season progresses or even what we saw, what we see in the second episode, um, and in that episode and in the second episode is like kind of brings it back down to this shit's real, you know, and it ain't always pretty, you know, but it's life. And so we, um, we gonna show it all. So we go into, to me on the first episode, one of the most darkest um, moments of the initial show, the initial episode where Cubby is basically dying and the house mm -hmm. of evangelista cubby's mom pray tell electra lulu they kind of all are in the hospital room and they're kind of reminiscing about their friend dying and they were like you know they're not dead yet but they're about to go out and we need to be here and we need to at least tell them where why we love them and like memories that we had since since he can hear us and so this is a time when cubby's mom we have like one of those moments that we had kind of with candy except candy was a ghost but cubby is still here and hasn't passed away yet and the mom gets to kind of kind of make her amends and say i wish that i would have handled this situation different and she's kind of yeah pouring her heart out to her child who was about to leave the earth and you know, I love in this moment when Electra being, you know, Electra, she has been positioned in, she's a complicated character. She has been positioned as a villain sometimes, motherly sometimes, you know, all of these kind of things. Um, I love yeah. in this moment 
her being like kind of like the grandmother <laughs> um electric yeah. comfort her by saying nobody is out here teaching parents how to accept their gay children you can't blame yourself for what you didn't know and so i love that she gave her comfort and i what i always say to people is like we don't come in this world with an instruction manual we don't know how right. um our parents don't know where what way we're gonna go what obstacles we're gonna face what whatever they just don't know so they don't always have the answers and sometimes they make horrible mistakes and horrible decisions and sometimes those horrible decisions are out of love they're out of them trying to protect you from the world they're out of them trying to protect you from quote-unquote hell them trying to protect you from making bad decisions in your life that's going to lead you down this path that they think is the wrong and this and if that is out that they that they think is wrong and it is out of their love for you. It's not necessarily out of hate or not wanting to be with you or not wanting to support you. It's just that I think this is wrong and I think you're going down the wrong path. So Cubby mother apologizes to her son for letting him go out of her life. And he literally slips away in this scene. So Cubby dies and only person that wasn't there that was important in his life was Lamar. And all of a sudden we see in this scene, Lamar comes up with empanadas late <laughs> after Cubby has already died. And he pretty much gets in the fight with everybody in this moment, Electra, mm-hmm. Blanca. He, you can tell he kind of blames Blanca. You didn't tell me it was this serious. And pray tell. Right, right. Him coming in with them empanadas and then them ending up on the floor. Like, I chuckled at that. And I know, like, it was supposed to be a heavy kind of moment, but they broke it up a little bit because I don't know, that just sent me. But um, yeah, I, I really, you know, you know, grief is grief is funny in that it manifests in a lot of different ways. And, you know, I think a lot of times with us being like an emotional kind of people, you know, um, it all just came out like that. And now they fighting. And, you know, I mean, which is like, I don't know, I don't know about you, but like has been a, like a, a reality of mine, folks die someone dies and folks get to fighting, you know? Um, And so to see that there, oddly enough, was like real normal for me. Like what I kind of thought though, Diamond, if I'm being honest, was a little like a little made up to me was like, okay, so we have, he he dies and then we have um, this fallout in the hallway. And then it's like, all right, well, we're going to settle this on the ballroom floor. And whoever wins, you know, like that's going to settle this this argument or disagreement we got going on. I'm just like, that's not real. Like, we don't do things like that. It was, it just, it felt a little, that part felt a little fake to me, you know. Um, Hell the fuck yeah. I try not to be 
I try not to be super critical of the, of the show. I'm like, y'all could have went somewhere else with that. We didn't need that, you know. They do that a couple of times because I'm like, child, who we're talking about death of a friend who is thinking about a fucking ball and thinking about that and using that bitch. We would have, I know I would have right. Lamar. I would have twirled him. <laughs> like that's what, that's what it would have been. You know, um, the disrespect would have been addressed in that hallway. Not this whole, y'all, this ain't who we are. We, you know, I mean, you know, Blanca comes in and does her superhero bit. You know where you know, um, yeah, and then then so then it goes on as we saw where they duke it out at the ball. I just I just that was a little unrealistic for me. Yeah, and they do it a couple of times in the next episode too, where yeah. they're where right. the ball is like um, more important than this life situation happening. Like my my right. my friend. <laughs> We we would talk about this uh, when we talk about the next episode. My friend just passed out and went to the ambulance, and this bitch is telling me you're gonna give up on the ball. <laughs> and, uh, what? It's just the it, that situation and the situation in the hospital. It just seems too unrealistic. Right, and I, I know the show centers around ballroom, but like. That's not what we mean, you know, um, where they literally take it to the ballroom floor. Yeah. Um, it was very, uh, you know, bring it on. You got served. Type of, <laughs> I'm very bad. <laughs> and to to settle this, you know, um, they could have kept that. They could have kept Ryan Murphy could have kept that. Yeah, y'all could have kept that. So at the so that's what happens. There is a challenge made. Um, Lamar does end up going into the into the room with Cubby and gets in the bed with his dead body to have a moment alone mm-hmm. with Cubby, which was I don't know if I want to say it's beautiful, but the, it, he needed some type of closure, and I'm sure that's something he's going to regret for the rest of his life. Um, but after the challenge right. of the House Evangelista, after they like after um, this little bring it on moment, they they actually go to the ball, and the House Evangelista proves that they got they still got it, and so they win uh, the categories. And um, Blanca gives this impassioned speech about um, ballroom and not running from life. Um, she also gave praise to the House of Khan and they make the promises to donate the money in honor of Cubby. The end of this episode, they are all having this family celebration that we have seen multiple times in this series where they are at their favorite um, Chinese restaurant and they're passing around food. And Blanca's trade, which has never happened, Blanca's trade comes into the restaurant where she's at and he comes in and joins the family dinner. And, you know, it is beautiful. It's a beautiful moment. The the kids are gag. He's cute. They kiss in front of. It's just a beautiful moment. Apparently, Blanca did a really good job keeping that one under wraps because nobody knew. You know, um, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I think I think why I think that is because I'm very like amongst my friends, 
I'm really open about like who I'm seeing or who I'm fucking, you know, I, and so to keep, to see that they like, she kept it like, like where he comes in and they're like, well, wait a minute, like, who, who is this? Then he, he, oh, he, he kissing on her. Oh, he, 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 who is this? Like, and for none of them to know, I was like, well, damn girl, at least one friend got to know the tea, like, Oh yeah, yeah. That's you know that that's her that's her, that's her little thing over there. Like nobody knew. I okay, so let me give a little bit of insight on that. <laughs> let me give a little bit of insight on that. So you as a gay man have a luxury to be kind of open about that, and so I feel. Yeah, and so to yeah, be kind of open right, with trans right. women, there is a cultural thing. Not saying that this is okay, but there is a cultural thing w- within mm-hmm. our community that. We don't necessarily talk. We we might talk about our trade, but you knowing what they look like and knowing who they are, you even our homegirls know because two things. I and and now I'm gonna speak for just me, but I I know other girls that um okay. that does this too. I don't want you to know my trade because two things. You might be messy and try to pull them. And I and we ain't deep in the relationship to where I'm secure <laughs> about keeping them. That's right. number one. Right. Or you, uh, right. honey, I bring them out or I talk about them and then you pop me with some tea that I don't want to hear about the nigga because he done mess with everybody <laughs> and all that kind of shit. So it's right. that level of stuff and and just the level of there's a very high turnaround in relationships. So I don't want to bring people around my family that I don't want to keep bringing people who are not serious around my family when this could not be, this could be some nigga that ain't serious and I'm not going to be in a long-term relationship with. And I don't want him to be in this circle. So I don't really talk about it until he is ready or until I am ready. And, you know, I actually think in this particular scene that he actually surprised her. Was kind of un that I don't think she knew that he was coming, but also was kind of I don't know this in in my life, I'm not coming to no Trey House. <laughs> like as a trans woman, I'm not coming to Christopher's house. Like he's gonna come to my house now. It it may be some special uh, circumstances that a trans woman would be going to her trade house and that's the normal place where they hook up. But for me, in my experience with trans women, we bring the trade that we hook up with to our house because we don't feel safe being at somebody else's house. Now, that's my experience. But oh, those trades be nasty. They don't flush their toilets. They'll be, <laughs> oh, uh-uh. Mm-mm. No, <laughs> like. No, I, I know my 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 abode and my commode is clean. Right. <laughs> you might have me over there. I'm like, can I use the bathroom? And because I don't, I've been there. Like, and this is why I don't do this. This is why I do not do this because y'all are nasty. Y'all are nasty. <laughs> I'd rather not know. I rather not know because when I see that now, I'm like, damn, I'm stuck here. What like what what is I'm going to do? <laughs> if I can't get my phone quick enough to be like, bitch, call me, like, call with an emergency, call this phone screaming so I can get the fuck up out of here. I'm stuck there. I ain't trying to be stuck. So I totally get it. I totally get it. 
<laughs> so that's what I think is a difference. I think that she, I don't think Blanca might have been ready for her to come bring bring Trey to in front of the group because I don't know if this is serious. And then right. he kind of surprised her by popping up with the group family and like, okay, cute. This is what it is. And I thought it was a beautiful moment. And that is how yeah. this that how the first episode ends. And so how were how happy were you with the first episode? I was just so happy for the damn show to be back. Um, yes, <laughs> I, you know the first episode. It, yeah, it, it you know it 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 gave what I expected it to give. You know, um, they kind of set you up for you know it was it was it gave first episode you know season premiere. Um, I, I was happy with it. I was pleased. You know, they covered a lot of ground. Um, there were a few things that I, I was kind of like hoping to get um, just to kind of tie in the end of the second season where we see Blonda like eyeing maybe two new children. So I was a little surprised to see it, it was the, the, the familiar faces all back, you know, with the house. Um, but yeah, no, I, the episode, I believe, was really well done. I mean... A, a few parts that I th- thought were a little far-fetched here and there. So I thought that it was amazing. They did a good job. I was happy with the first season. So y'all, I want to thank y'all for listening for this first episode of the new season of Pose. We have enjoyed reviewing it for y'all. Make sure you check it out. We will be back for the second episode this week before the next one comes out. All right, y'all. See y'all on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, y'all. So I know the Pose reviews are coming in late. We have actually recorded three different (laughs) Pose reviews because there has been three episodes out. But because there have been like multiple deaths in my life in like four of them, well, actually five, four people I know and one person I don't know have passed away. And it's really quite heavy for me right now. So I just haven't had the capacity to edit, but I have recorded three different shows. (laughs) And so they will be out periodically throughout this, you know, next coming week. And so I hope y'all enjoy them and understand because this is quite heavy. And so, yes, I'm trying to balance my work and life and yeah, that's what's going on. And I and me and Z doesn't don't edit. <laughs> I do all the editing in regards to that. So yeah, I hope y'all um understand and thank you for listening. And we'll be back with episode two and three really soon. <laughs> all right, y'all. Bye bye. Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We will be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamondstylz at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, (laughs) y'all.